From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Hello, I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. This year alone, almost 300,000 women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in the U.S., making it the most common cancer in American women. For this program, we coordinated with the American Cancer Society to assemble what I call my pink sister circle of survivors. This is a personal and important discussion for me as I myself begin my second battle with breast cancer. This discussion is raw, real, and inspiring. We share our struggles, pains, and triumphs. I personally hope you will come away with a sense of hope as you learn from the lived experiences of other women. All that is straight ahead on Bridging Philly. This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. This is a special encore presentation of Bridging Philly. In the past, I have been transparent with listeners about my battle with breast cancer. Five years ago, I learned that I was diagnosed with DCIS, which is ductal carcinoma in situ. It was a mass that took up about half of my breasts. Um, the battle, which we will talk about during this show, was uh, something that I thought I was done with. I thought everything was over. After you know the diagnosis and the two surgeries that I had, uh, my doctor and I just agreed, okay, we're just going to um, watch things. We're going to um, make sure that you have uh, screenings twice a year, and um, we'll go from there. So up to the fifth year, which was this year, I had my screening, my six-month screening, and my chat with my oncologist. And she said, okay, well, we're going to just go once a year now because everything's been looking good. And things didn't look good on the last Screening. So I have now been diagnosed with not one but two forms of breast cancer in my right breast. I do have DCIS in one area and invasive DCIS in another, and it's all over the place. So it's not good news, but I have always been of the mindset that if you share, you learn. And if you share, you also can help other people. And that is what this program is about today. I have assembled what I am calling my pink sister circle of survivors. This show was actually inspired by one of the survivors that's here. And um, we had a conversation because I felt <laughs> I had a moment last week where I was in crisis. And I needed to talk with someone that understood what I was going through. Talking to my husband wasn't doing it <laughs> that particular day. Talking to a friend wasn't doing it that particular day. I said, I'm going to reach out to the woman who handed me her card when I met her at an American Cancer Society event. And she handed me her card and said, you call me whenever you need to talk. I'm here. And I have to tell you that a lot of people say that when you're going through something. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they really want to hear from you or they want to talk to you. And when I reached out to this person, she was open and she was very supportive. And she was the inspiration for this particular show. My pink sister circle of survivors consists of Dr. Generosa Grana. She is a breast cancer survivor, American Cancer Society spokesperson, and medical director at the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper University Medical Center. Also here in the circle is Lynn Alston. She is a survivor and founder of 
Hugs Around America Foundation, and she is an international best-selling author of A Hug Saved My Life. Also in my circle is Jamil Rivers. She is a metastatic breast cancer thriver, an American Cancer Society spokesperson, and founder of the Chrysalis Initiative, which we will learn about today. And also Tamika Bryant is in my circle. She is a breast cancer survivor and influencer. Welcome to the circle and welcome to Bridging Philly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the inspiration behind this program, as I was describing earlier, is Lynn Alston. So I'll talk with you first. Thank you, Lynn. I want to first thank you for taking my call. I was in tears when I called her and she did not hesitate to take my call. And we had a very good discussion and I felt better after having spoken with you. So I just want to say thank you right off the bat. You're welcome. Why don't you, since we're talking with you right now, first of all, just talk about your experience with breast cancer. Well, uh, going back nine years, I remember the day, Sunday, March the 9th, 2014, is when I received a hug from a mentee. And she hugged me so hard that I was begging for her to release me. That's how hard the embrace or strong the embrace was. That evening when I was getting undressed, I was in the mirror and I saw a golf-sized lump. And I was able to see it with the naked eye sitting on top of my right boobie. And instead of going to my breast with my hand, I, it was as if I was in the twilight zone. I went to the mirror because I couldn't believe what was sitting or protruding from my breast. That started the process of getting a mammogram, 2D mammogram. A week later, I get a call back. They saw something. I come back and get a 3D mammogram. A week later, I go back and I have a biopsy. And within four days, I was diagnosed with triple negative stage three breast cancer. And so, hence the book's name, A Hug Saved My Life, because really, a hug started the process. Um, I would not have detected that um, lump on my own because two years prior, I was downsized from my job and I had no insurance. I had not gotten a mammogram. Mm. Um, I had been healthy all my life. Who needed COBRA, right? And so I skipped the two years, and I started that process and had that diagnosis. And to hear cancer attached to your name is something that I don't wish on anyone. Uh, Jamil, talk about your experience. Mm, well, my experience was, you know, I was the typical busy, married mom, executive, three boys, and my husband had already gone through cancer. So he is a colon cancer survivor. Oh, okay. um, and that particular winter, we had just moved into a new home. You know, the kids are going to school and then colds are lingering throughout the house because, you know, of course, the kids bring home germs. Um, everyone caught their cold and it went away. I caught my cold and it didn't go away. So I was coughing and sneezing for over a month. And so I went to my primary doctor and she gave me an antibiotic. Um, she gave me an asthma pump, still two weeks of coughing. Fast forward, I get my chest scan, I get my ultrasound and I have lesions in my liver. And I remember saying that was always the overactive breast because I did breastfeed my boys so she wasn't too concerned. I then asked for a mammogram and then um, they did the mammogram They did the MRI, and of course, they did a biopsy, and 
um, it was confirmed that I had uh, metastatic de novo, so stage four from the start because they had already spread uh, metastatic de novo breast cancer, invasive ductal carcinoma, which was ER positive, PR positive, and HER2 negative, oh. so hormone positive breast cancer. Right. And it had already spread everywhere. So not just my liver, but my bones, my lungs, my sternum, my oh lymph my nodes, everywhere except for my brain and my spine. And at that time, I felt absolutely fine, except for this lingering cough. And I'm thinking, I'm going to die. And, um, you know, the woman who was the radiologist at the cancer center took my hand and she said, "Um, we have a whole floor upstairs with young women with metastatic breast cancer. So she said, you're not going to die tomorrow. You're not going to die next week. You know, but we'll take it day by day. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. I do want to get to Tamika Bryant and I'll briefly hear your story, Tamika. Thank you. So I am a 10 year triple negative breast cancer thriver. Wow. Um, diagnosed in 2013 uh, during my first mammogram. My OBGYN had actually advised me to get one probably like two to three years prior, but I kept putting it off. I was a mom. I was working multiple businesses. I was heads of organizations. I just didn't have time. It wasn't a priority. And for me, I'm like, women don't get breast cancer until their 40s. And so what happened is a mammogram truck was coming to the area, and I scheduled the appointment. Um, And I remember the day that I went, leading up to it, I was physically exhausted. Um, I would take my kids to the bus stop in the morning, come back home and lay on the couch and sleep until I needed to pick them back up again. I would force myself to, like, do work and things of that nature as needed, and I would literally push to the very end. Like, if I had a deadline at noon at 11.30, I was like, okay, get this done. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, oh, my blood sugar's low. You know, it's, I'm anemic. That's what's happening. I just need to sleep more. These kids are running me ragged. My husband's not listening. No one is doing what I need them to do. I'm tired. Yeah. Well, appointment came. I go in, and literally, as soon as I took my clothes off, I felt something. I was like, what is happening? I was like, you know what, guys, you funny. You funny. (laughs) So when she did the mammogram, I said to her, I said, you know, I felt something as I was taking my clothes off. I don't know what it is, but can you let me see the scan? And she's like, we really aren't allowed to let you see it. And I was like, but it's my breast. I'd like to see the scan. Matter of fact, I need a copy of it. So she gave me all these things and she kind of like paused as she was doing it. And I was like, yeah, something's not right. So I look on the screen and I have, I'm a scientist by trade, but I have no knowledge of what a tumor looks like. None. Mm. So literally it just spoke to me like, yeah, girl, you need to follow up on this. And so I pointed at it and I said to her, what is that? And she said, I'm really not qualified to answer that question. And I was like, okay. And so then, you know, go on the steps of going through, you know, the biopsy and all of that. And I remember the day they called me. Yeah. So I answered the phone. I said, hello. She said who she was. I got up and I walked outside. And the first thing she said to me is, she's like, Tamika? I said, yes. And she says, well, this is so-and-so from so-and-so's office. Just want to let you know that you have triple negative breast cancer. Any questions? You're kidding. I said. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is the way that she is told you? exactly what she said to me. And I said. Excuse me? I said, well... Like the weather forecast. I I can't stand it. Listen, that's exactly how I felt. I said, well, triple negative. So negative is good, right? She's like, no, but you just talk to the doctor. 
I said, well, he shouldn't get on the phone right now because you just called me. You didn't ask me where I was, what I was doing. I could be suicidal. I could walk on the middle street and kill myself. You have no idea where I am emotionally with this information that you've just given me. And she's like, well, do you want to talk to somebody? I was like, yes, your boss. And so I completely forgot that I had cancer at that moment and literally was like, you can't call another person like this. Like, you just don't know what people are experiencing and where they are in their lives. So that's what started my journey. Dr. Grana, let's first start off talking about the different diagnoses that we've heard about here. We've heard about triple negative. We heard about DCIS, metastatic. Can you explain those? DCIS, or stage zero breast cancer, is actually the earliest type of breast cancer, often picked up not as a mass, but as an abnormal mammogram with calcium. It can be one little spot. It can be multiple spots, as you described. But we think of it as the most curable form of breast cancer because surgery and radiation, depending on the choice, is the answer. And the rate of recurrence is tiny, 1% to 2%. Now, the problem with DCIS, though, is when it recurs, it can be invasive half of the time. And the other problem with DCIS is that the woman has an increased risk of developing cancer of the opposite breast. Any woman who has breast cancer, no matter what type of breast cancer, has a risk of developing cancer of the opposite breast. And that risk depends on her family history, her age, and other factors. And you go from there, the earliest form, to metastatic, where the cancer has spread out of the breast and out of the local lymph nodes. Now, Jamil's very different. She talked very wisely about the fact that she's de novo or new. Um, The majority of women, 80% of women in the United States, don't present with metastatic breast cancer. 80% of women with metastatic breast cancer had breast cancer before, and then develop metastatic disease as a symptom or sign of their original cancer. And then triple negative is so fitting that we're talking about triple negative because in the African-American community, triple negative is more common, and it's more common in young African-American women, not older African-American women. So what is triple negative? Estrogen receptor, progesterone receptor, HER2 new receptors are all negative. It is not hormonally triggered. It is not environmentally triggered. Uh, You know, I think the reality is we don't know what triggers uh, breast cancer in general, and in particular, triple negative. It is more often associated with hereditary breast cancer. So any woman who has triple negative breast cancer, even if she doesn't have a family history, up to age 60 should have genetic testing because there is a possibility of BRCA1, BRCA2, or other genes. So you're running the gamut from DCIS, least aggressive, triple negative, more on the higher risk side, and then metastatic, which is your ultimate stage. Well, thank you for explaining all that. I don't want to wash over the fact that I know you're a doctor and you're here to give us the clinical side of things, but you are also a breast cancer survivor yourself. And being a doctor, I'm assuming, doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't. It prepares you more for what's to come. Um, It definitely, when I looked at that mammogram and saw what I saw in the mammogram, I knew going in that there was going to be a cancer there. I just didn't know invasive DCIS, what would it be? I think it's made me a much better doctor, though. I think it's really now when I talk to a woman and sit down and talk about the surgical options and the other difficulty, I really see myself in her shoes. I see the difficulty she's going with. I uh, hear her angst as she's dealing with expanders and implants and, and the decisions that have to come with all of that. So 
it is what it is. I think I always somehow knew that I would uh, get breast cancer. I don't know why. I don't have a family history. Uh, But it just happened. I want to talk about the support system you have. You know, we're here in the pink sister circle of survivors, which feels really great right now, I have to say. Um, But how important is it to have a really good support system? And and did you all have good support systems? Well, when I uh, found the lump, you know, I had to navigate the system on my own. So that meant I didn't share in the beginning. I didn't have the bandwidth to help you through my diagnosis. Like I had to do the doctor who gave me the diagnosis. He came in the room. Um, and this is after going week after week, coming back and forth. He sat down and he says, Lynn, you have cancer. Okay. So he's leaning forward. I'm leaning forward. He said what he said. And I heard cancer, cancer, mm-hmm. cancer. Okay. So the way my mind worked, all right, what's next step? Let's get it. Let's get it. Well, doctor is still leaning forward. So I... Went and you know I'm mimicking his body language and I well listen doctor should I get my affairs in order? He says no 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 you're going to be fine. We just need to. I said well listen here doctor I need you to get yourself together because if you break down I will break down. So he had to leave the room to go get reinforcements. I'm stuck with the walls bouncing. Cancer cancer <sighs> cancer. So after calming him down, you know I started to cry. And so that was in April of that same year. I waited until after I had my lumpectomy in June to have the conversation with my mom. Okay. And it was the day after that I began to share after I had the lumpectomy. And I says, listen, mom, you know, just had a little surgery, all is well, you know, but I was able to have the conversation after that. So at the time, it was just me and Jesus. Mm. And I prayed and I said, Jesus, this is what I need. I need to live. And if you allow me to do that, to be here for my mom, I will share my story to the moon and back. And so I have not shut up since (laughs) because he kept his end of the bargain. I have to keep mine. And so the doctor who I had to help him through my diagnosis he says to this day, you're my favorite patient. I said, I guess I am. You know, I had to comfort you. My goodness, my goodness. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Yeah, we're going to close pretty soon. I I wanted to talk about how this all, everything affects relationships. Um, I know my husband is getting the brunt of all of my emotional rollercoastery ride everything. He he just gets it all because he's the closest to me. So sometimes I'm having a good day. Other days, everything is is his fault. And but he kind of just takes it all gracefully, knowing that, okay, she's having a good day today. But um this does affect your relationship with your kids, your family, your, your friends, what have you. What did you learn about your relationships, uh, your closest relationships? Like your husband, you and your husband, both going through things and supporting each other. That's such a powerful team. 
I have oh, to say. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was in a strange way blessed because he had gone through it. Right. So um, me, when I'm, of course, externally, I'm outside, I look fine. But when you're going through chemo, I thought I looked, you know, horrible. You know, he helped shave my head when my hair was falling out. Mm. But he just kept affirming me and, you know, being my cheerleader every day, whatever it is that I needed. And it was great to have a partner who held it down where I fell short. And we're taking care of these kids and we're <laughs> doing what we need yeah. to do. Yeah. And, making sure that we're staying on top of them. And so I'm in treatment for the rest of my life because I'm metastatic. Being able to communicate that, being able to be forthcoming about what I'm going through and therapy, psychotherapy, social mm-hmm. support, yeah. all of that is important when you're going through a cancer diagnosis. A lot of cancer centers will have social workers and also psychotherapists to help you deal with all these different emotions and new things that you have to think about. So death and life and who am I? And what is, all of those things. Who am I as a, you know, a person in this relationship? And what do I want to leave behind? What is important to me? All those questions, all those things you have to explore. And I think we're just kind of like, all right, we're taking it day by day, taking care of these kids, doing what we've got to do. But then there's also just the things of, you know, men wanting to, you know, get frisky and you're not in the mood. Yeah, yeah there's that too. <laughs> and how, you know, and then that changes because, of course, hormone positive breast cancer. I have no hormones now. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that your sex life has to be buried. It's right, just right. it's just an adjustment. So it's those type of adjustments and then communicating to the person because we find that a lot too where men are like, well, you went through the chemo. You went through the surgery. Yes. All right. Let's get it cracking. Let's get it popping. Like everything should be back to normal. Mm -hmm. But no, there's Mm -hmm. going to be adjustments as you also get to learn about your new body and, you know, just all all that is normal. So just lean on to those supports in order to get through that. And it's scary to be honest, but be honest with your partner and your friends and let them give you what you need. Yeah. Perfect advice. Well, Lots of resources to go through here, and I want to get through everything so everyone gets all the information they need. I know I'm going to be taking notes as well, so let's start with Lynn. Let's get the information for Hugs Around America Foundation, how people can contact you and find more information, and where to buy the book, A Hug Saved My Life. Sure. So the web address is ahugsavedmylife.com. Instagram is ahugsavedmylife as well, and um, we're having a community event on September the 10th at Northeast High School out in the field, and it's called Moving for Wellness. It starts from 10 until 2. Okay, got it. Thank you. And Dr. Grana, where can we find out more information? MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper. Uh, On our website, you can get all kinds of information about our breast cancer program, a tremendous number of resources that are offered to all of our patients and non-patients. They're open to the public. Got it. Thank you. Jamil? Oh, well, uh, we have the chrysalisinitiative.org, so www.thechrysalisinitiative.org. But the easiest one is www.bcnavi.com, so bcnavi.com. And Tamika? Uh, you can find me online at Life and Pumps, that's L-I-F-E-I-N Pumps, P-U-M-P-S, or on Instagram at Tamika Talks, which is T-O-M-I-K-A Talks. Dr. Generosa Grana, Lynn Alston, Jamil Rivers, Tamika Bryant, thank you so much for being a part of my pink circle of sisters and survivors, pink survivors, and uh, 
continued success. You all are beautiful, strong, and just so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter, at Bridging Philly, at Raquel on Air, and at Shara Day. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. For Shara Day Howard and our producer, Patty McMahon, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well. <laughs>